This talk was recorded by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of the North Church, as part of the 2023 Summer Training Project. For more information on Summer Training Project or Campus Outreach Minneapolis, visit cominneapolis.org. So we're going to talk about the church this morning, but what we're going to do is we are going to start out and we're just going to look at passages as a team. So you don't have necessarily get your whole team together. Uh, You can talk with just your room or those people uh, near you, but I just kind of want sections, just clear sections so people aren't kind of overlapping. But just to let you know, my goal this morning is uh, to give us some framework on the church. And so, um, hey, make sure you're sitting with your teams. I don't know where y'all at, but make sure you're sitting with your teams. Uh, So, yeah, go ahead. Um, so, you know, uh, we, we want to have this training, especially life training, not just setting, obviously setting you up for the future, but especially since we're still within the first few weeks of just orienting you to why, why when we're down here at Summer Project and we're doing things like theme training or word training or evangelism training, do we still need to go to church on Sunday? Isn't that, can't that be repetitive? Well, I hope what my training does is it puts us in the context of something far bigger and grander and orients us to who the church is um, and who in God's place, in our place as the church in God's grand uh, redemptive story. And so to do that, I want us to look at a handful of passages this morning. So I have up here the teams and I have your passages. So you're going to need to get your Bibles out. Obviously, you have them out. We're going to flip them through here. But we're also, during when we talk, going to do that. So I want, for the next 10 minutes, uh, with the people next to you, here's what I want you to do. Read these passages. These are all about the church. Just make observations. I'm not asking you to interpret and apply. We're just making observations. Then we're going to get back together and share them together. Sound good? All right. 10 minutes. Let's go ahead and bring it back in, and we'll, I want to share briefly with each, uh, I want each group to share. So, where's the Voyagers at? Where are you at? All right. All right, here's what I want everybody to do. I want everybody to flip to Matthew 5, 13 through 14. We're not going to read it, but I do want you to be able to see what they're talking about as they're talking about observations. So, um, Go ahead. Uh, I would love for you guys just to share observations that you were able to make about Matthew 5. We are salt. We're salt. That's great. I love it. I know. I'm glad you did. That's great. Okay. Salt adds flavor, preserves. What else? Yeah, absolutely. That's great. What, it was salt, but what else are we? Light. What's it say about the light? Next, beach bones, 1 Corinthians 12. Everybody turn there. This will be a familiar passage for many of you. What's it, what's 1 Corinthians 12 say? Thanks, that's really great. Um, shark bait, where are y'all at? There we go. All right, everybody turn to uh, Revelation 21. Revelation 21. What's the picture of when we're going to come in our glory? What's that look like? That's sweet to think that we as his bride will one day, like Chase was saying, see him face to face. He's going to dwell with us. One of the pictures there, I don't know if you guys caught it, 
But when he dwells with us, what does it say he'll do? He'll wipe away every tear. Which I think is such a sweet picture when you think about, even, you know, thinking about God and, you know, fathers and children, like with even with my boys, when they're sad, just, it, there's an intimacy there. You're wiping away the tear with someone. You think about the love doesn't that for you? How loved and just intimate you feel in that sense with them? How close? Man, I feel like, all right, First Peter 2, 9 through 12. Yeah, so we have a we've been set apart, but yet there's there's still war. There's still a fighting. The, the work isn't done. So the reason I wanted to get those four different kind of views of the church is it's much uh, it is is to show you that when the Bible talks about the church, the Bible describes the church in a lot of different ways. And so later in the summer uh, we're going to have a theme training on the church, but. My goal isn't necessarily to like really dig deep into a little bit of time this morning, but to just orient us a little bit to, to what does the Bible say about the church and how does that influence even our summer and how we do growth and even its place for us as we talk about summer project. And so all these different things show us that when the Bible talks about the church, there's a lot of different ways. Um, sorry, I'm going to make sure get my notes. Uh, there's a lot of different metaphors that the Bible uses. And so what I want to do is I want to try to give you a definition this morning that pulls all of these different, these four things together, and then we can work off that this definition and flush it out a little bit more this morning. And so here's the definition um, I've kind of pulled, try to use all different four sections of your, your passages this morning. Um, and so this isn't necessarily all-encompassing, but I think it just sets us up well to continue to discuss what the church is. And so here's what um, I came up with this morning. What is the church? The church is a global people who are united to Christ. They gather together for public worship and scatter to serve and advance his kingdom. The church is a global people who are united to Christ. They gather together for public worship and scatter to serve and advance his kingdom. So I'm just going to walk through this this morning and then we'll, we'll go out because I know that you guys probably want to eat lunch here. So hang with me for 25 more minutes. Sound good? All right. So let's jump off. Uh, the church is a global people. The church is global. What does that mean? It means the church is universal. And the church is much bigger than just campus outreach or your particular campus church that you go to. But the church encompasses a global, um, a global reality. Think about this in, in Revelation. So if you have your Bibles, flip with me to Revelation 7. Some of you guys may have already been there because you were close. But I want to read a section of Scripture there for us. So Revelation chapter 7, chapter 7, 9 through 12. Here's what I'm going to read. So this is um, John seeing kind of the, apoc uh, the apocalypse at the end. Here's what he says. After this, I looked and behold, a great magnitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, 
clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. So what's the picture at the end of time when the new heavens and new earth are coming into perspective? Is that all of the world, all peoples are gathered before the throne Worshiping God. All tribes, all tongues. The church is universal. The church is global. Now what does that do for us in our own expression? Well, it should give us some humility. That your own campus movement, your own local church, your own expression and experience of the Christian life isn't the end-all be-all. You are a small section into a universal reality. You are one particular expression at a particular location, but there is a global reality of people throughout the whole world. But not only throughout the whole world, um, Revelation also talks about throughout the ages. You see this over and over and over again. That the church is both universal, but the church is also historical. And here's why that's important. It's because that means that uh, our current 2023 experience of the Christian life in the church isn't how maybe a hundred years ago or a thousand years ago things were. The, the gospel and our experience of God is what they call contextualized. It speaks to us in our moment. But that means that our way of worshiping, our experience of God also isn't the end all be all. That we are wrapped up into a historical relationship with God and his people. And so, just so you know, when we get to heaven and we see this throne, it's probably not going to be like a white dude with an acoustic guitar <laughs> playing worship. Or on the organ. Or like, like it, uh, they will, we will have a vast variety of expressions in worship. That provides us with humility. And so when we understand the church in our experience, it's really important for us to see that when we talk about the church, the, the blessing that you have is you have been wrapped up into something far bigger than you. I've been thinking about this because uh, you see this a lot in sporting events. Uh, my friends in Louisville, what's your biggest sporting event? The Derby, right? So I started watching the Derby um, last year, you know, with my friends in Louisville. I was like, I want to know more about what the Derby is about. And so I actually, I wanted my boys to watch it with me. And then I had to like say, hey, we're going to flip the channel because they were showing things that I didn't want them to see. Because <laughs> I realized the Derby is actually crazier than, I didn't realize how crazy the Derby actually was. <laughs> you guys assume that and know that. I had no idea. I just thought it was a horse race that was full of majesty and beauty. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> yeah. but here, here, here's what is cool is this year I was watching the Derby and they talked about the walk or the parade of the horses. You know what I'm talking about? Is everybody, you, you in Louisville that know, I didn't know this, that there's like this parade of horses and they were interviewing these owners as they were going through the walk. And the owner just talked about 
how uh, beautiful it is to be a part of this uh, tradition and history. But there's nothing like it. You think you're ready, but you're walking your horse in front of all the people that that have done and that they have done this for however long the Derby's been going, and that you're participating in this tradition of the Derby. It was really cool. It was a moving moment for me. I was like, "This is. I bet this is a significant moment in these people's lives." Not only that, I'm from Indianapolis, and our biggest uh, sporting event is the Indy 500. I've been to the Indy 500 countless amounts of times, and my favorite part of the 500 is the parade and the pageantry in the beginning. It's because you get kind of wrapped up into the just the majesty, the greatest, the greatest spectacle in racing is what they call. But it moves you, and that is. Uh, tapping into something that's true about every single human being is that we love to be a part of something that's bigger than ourselves. You, you've been made that way. You want to participate in tradition, in the pageantry, and be wrapped up into something that's greater than you. But not only that you're watching it, you're actually participating in it. You, you, your expression, your affections are kind of brought up into it. And what, I'm, what this shows us is that the church is the most satisfying expression of that desire that you have. That, that when you are a part of the church, you are wrapped up into something that's universal, but also historical. That all of the saints throughout history have participated in, in varying degrees and expressions. That all peoples throughout the world are doing that too. <coughs> So how does that change our perspective? Well, think about when we go to church on Sunday. I don't know if you're like you, uh, me, but sometimes you walk in and it's like, man, I just didn't get much of, from the sermon that week or church that week. Well, I think what this challenges us is it says if that's our heart, we've missed it. Because the church isn't necessarily, what that means is it reorients us to says it's actually not about what you're getting out of church that week. What it's about is that you are joining God's people across the world, glorifying God and worshiping him on one day. That, that we as his people have gathered together on Sunday or whenever it is that we're gathering together, proclaiming the excellencies of God and worshiping him collectively together as his people. So it isn't about what you're getting out. It's about us as his people singing praises and glorifying him. And not only that, as his people, but you are participating in, in a very real, mysterious way. You're joining the saints throughout all of the ages. You're joining people that have done this for millennia. It's beautiful. It's wonderful that we are a global people. But not only are we a global people, we are a global people who are united to Christ. So we're a global people who've been united to Christ. Look with me in Acts, um, Acts chapter 9. So Acts chapter 9, uh, this is the conversion of Paul. So you're going to see his name is Saul, but it's Paul. <laughs> yes, I know it's confusing, but it's Paul and Saul, or Saul who turns into Paul. But I mean, here's what it says. But, but Saul, still breathing threats and murder, and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue at Damascus, 
So we found uh, so that if he found any belonging to the way, which is Christians, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So he's on a mission to kill Christians, to arrest them. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, the one who you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. Um, think about this. Uh, Jesus is dead and has risen. Or Jesus isn't dead. Jesus has died and has risen and ascended. So how is Saul persecuting Jesus? Well, it's because Jesus has so united himself to his people that to persecute them is to persecute him. Because Jesus has united him to him, Jesus has united himself to his people. When uh, Paul is killing and arresting Christians, he's doing it to Jesus. This is why when you read a countless times in the epistles, Paul says, we are in him. You are hidden in him. Walk in him. The idea there is that you are united to Christ. You are in him. But not only you, you are united to Christ as a part of God's people. So yes, you are united to Christ, but we need to see it's us as collectively God's people. Does that make sense? That it's not just the individual. There's an individual component, but you need to see, again, we've been wrapped up into a greater expression in this. How does this affect us? And think about this. is you no know, uh, Your destiny or our destiny as God's people is very much uh, a reflection and tied into who God is and what he's doing. So what happens in your life isn't just you alone. God is so united to you that what happens to you is a reflection on who he is and his character. Now, that can be tricky because you can think, I'm going through a lot now. What is that? No, no, no. What God is promising is that the, your ultimate end as his people, our ultimate end as his people, is going to be a reflection on who he is in his character. And what do we know is our ultimate end? Is that we get to stand face to face with him. That, at the end, we conquer as his people. So I want to share that with you because I think for us as, as Christians, uh, we can get swept up into the moment and think, man, the world seems like it's just falling out like that my the floorboard seems like it's falling out from under me i'm going through so much right now i don't know what i'm going to do but to know that christ has united himself to you that 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 what happens to you is he's is happening to him that he he has united himself to you is incredibly encouraging i will never leave you or forsake you so not only is he, are we as global people who are united to Christ, here's where I want to see the expressions of what, what uh, I think this summer we'll see. Uh, we are uh, united to Christ that gather together for public worship. 
So this is, when we talk about church, oftentimes this is what we mean. We mean, I'm going to public worship. So are, are we going to church, or have you gone to church? Well, in our culture, what we often mean is we're going to the worship service of God's people. Y'all follow me here? So I'm, I'm trying to make the distinction, but not lose um, kind of what we're, we're, where we're going there. But that is the Bible, the way that, that the Lord has prescribed us to, to operate as his people. That as his people, when we gather together for, for uh, public worship, and there's just, there's so much in the Bible here about this that I want to focus on other things. So if you want more about how do we know that these things need to be in public worship, I would be more than willing to talk about that. I'm just going to talk through kind of the elements of public worship because there's just a lot here and I'm working with 11 minutes, 12 minutes. So just hang on. Um, but as we talk about gathering for public worship, here's what you need to know. Uh, there, are, there are biblical elements. So there's a reason why church is structured this way. There's a reason why the service is structured this way. It's not like someone just magically was like, oh, this sounds great. Let me get up and talk to people for like 40 minutes, you know, or let me like sing a song. There are rhythms that God has put in place that the church has put in place as practices for public worship together. So those elements usually are prayer, preaching, song, testimonies, the sacraments. There's a structure in place here. And that's because as God is people is meeting together, it's not just spontaneous. The, the purpose of gathering for public worship is to retell God's people the gospel. So as we're meeting together, it's not just to like meet together just to meet together. It's to meet together so that we can worship together by retelling ourselves the gospel. The redemptive story and the work of Christ in, in our lives and the lives of God's people. So... Um, not only is it uh, gathered together with the biblical elements, it's gathered together and we worship from the heart. So it, I wanted to add this in because there's structure to it, but it's not like robot structure. Like it's not like we come in and we're just a bunch of robots, our parents like repeating things. L listen to how Jesus talks about public worship. Book with me to Matthew 15. So I'm going, to, I'm going to go ahead and read um, Matthew 15. Then the Pharisees and the scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the traditions of the elders, the structure that we put in place? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. And he answered them, Why do you, uh, why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, Honor your father and your mother. And whoever reviles Father or mother must surely die. But you say, if anyone tells his father or his mother what, uh, what you should do, you have gained from me. What you would have gained from me is given to God. He, is not on, uh, he need not honor his father for the sake of your tradition that you have made void the word of God. You hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, Here, and here's why I want you to catch her, ca capture these people honor me with their lips, but in their hearts they're far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Here's why that's important. is because often when we talk about the biblical components of worship, um, we, can we can miss that those are to wrap all of you and all of your affections up into who God is. 
worship should be mental, physical, emotional, spiritual. All of you is being wrapped up into public worship. It's not just robot. God is bringing us together, all of us, to worship him. So what is involved in worship? All of us. Um, when we think about the church in the last few years, I think this exposes a lot of the way the misconceptions that people have had. So we know that post-COVID kind of there was like people just didn't come back to church. People chose instead to, um, you know, watch it online, which there, I can understand there was great, you know, health uh, fears and all those things initially. Um, but here's what happens is if the church is just about the sermon, why is it wrong for people just to stay at home and watch it online? If the main thing is just someone up like me speaking, what's the big deal? What this tells us, though, is that, mu- that public worship is much more than about the sermon. And that if, if you are just staying home and watching it from YouTube or a podcast, you're missing the majority of the meal. Think about it this way. Um, how are you, when you get back, going to describe project to people? Or maybe you've been to project before, and people are like, what was it like? And you're like, well, we, uh, we did evangelism training, we did word training, we did this, we did this. You're sharing with them. But then I think at some point you get to the point you're like, but, but you just got to be there. Like even when our friends, when we try to get in there, like you have to be there. You just have to experience it. Why? It's because there's this, this uh, mysterious, there's this thing that the Spirit and God is doing in our connection with one another, in our presence. Things that aren't just from up front and training that God's doing when we're sitting under the tent, talking with each other. When we're, you know, when we're living life and, and connected to each other. And so in a very real way, public worship is the same way. When God's people gather together, God is mysteriously working in the lives of his people. People are actually experienced the greatness and the glory of God. And even when we don't feel like it, that's the key. Is that week in and week out, you may feel like, I'm just not feeling like I'm experiencing this. I, I, that's not non-consequential, but that's not the point. The point is that God is actually working in his people when we're remaining together each week. And, and people are experiencing God's greatness, his grandeur, and his glory. And it's not just the, the sermon, it's all of it. It's all of the worship together as God's people. That's why it's so crucial for us as Christians to gather together. That we get, that's how we get nourished as his people. So it's not only that we gather together for public worship, but what happens after public worship? We're scattered to serve and advance his kingdom. So here's the the flow of the Christian life is that we are gathered together for public worship, but then we're scattered to serve and advance God's kingdom. What that means, and this is more of, you think of the first Peter passage that we're a royal priesthood, uh, people for his own possession, that the, uh, the flow there, even the Matthew, we're salt and light, that, that the church doesn't exist for itself. Let me say that again. The church does not exist for itself. 
the church is to honor and glorify God and to serve the world. We're here for a mission. So while we gather, and Sunday is really, really important, we're outward facing. We're here for another purpose. Romans says that we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. And so when we think about our place as the church, think about how that affects us as a community on the campus. Does your community on the campus exist for itself? Is the campus better that you're, for you guys being here? Let's walk that back a little bit and ask this summer. Is Walmart and Chick-fil-A better because the SCP is there working? It should be. That's how we know we're actually operating as the church. Is Garden City better because we're here? It should be. That's how we know. We are living on behalf of another. And so when we think about our place in God's world, we are a global people. Think about, think about the ideal, idealized version or the church living up to what it could be. If a global people who are united to Christ, who gather together to be refueled, nourished, but then those people are sent out into the world, how different would the world actually look? What would the taste uh, of the world get from G like of Jesus? That would be a very powerful witness. And so that's why for us this summer, when we think about our flow and our structure on project, it's not just enough that we do these trainings like Bible study training and word training. We need to go participate in worship and be nourished with God and his people at Surfside, at the chapel. Because then what happens, man, we're sent out for the rest of the week. We have a regular rhythm as God's people of six days being sent out, one day coming in, being refreshed. Six days out, one day coming back. And so that's why I think you know, when we think about what is the church, and even for the rest of your life, this is why we want to create these habits for you. That, that it's vital for you to have that rhythm, not just here, but even when you're out in the workplace working, even where, when, you know, different stages and different times of your life, to create these regular rhythms is because it nourishes our soul, but also helps you grow up into the person and the people that we all should be. And so this summer, what I want us to, to aim for um, is that. And so I don't, I don't think I had any really closing questions. I put at the end, and you guys could write this down. Um, I put, uh, do we exist for our own community? Um, you know, some, even some of those questions I added in. Are we outward facing, living for the good of our community? Chick-fil-A, Walmart, Garden City. Um, God is here. Um, we are here, you are here, because God has placed us in this location. So what would it look like for us to be a, a people that would embody that this summer? i got a minute left. Anything, anything else I should say? <laughs> I'm just really impressed that I ended that. I usually talk too long. So um, but let me pray for us, and then you guys are free to go eat lunch, and uh, we'll call it quit. Okay? Awesome. Father, thank you for being a good and gracious God, a God that, uh, that came to seek and save the lost, a God who both 
came into our lives individually that called us and said, uh, come and follow me. But that God, you haven't left us as people just to do it ourselves. That you have given us people throughout all ages that have sought to honor you and love you and walk with you. We have their example. Not only the people then, but we have people now that are around us, that are walking with you, that are wanting to love you, that are wanting to serve you. That God, we can look to them, that we can link arms with them and pursue you and make you known. God, we know this is hard. They're, you know, this is an idealized version in a lot of ways. But God, we know that um, that you've given us the Spirit, and that is powerful. And so that that when we think about our summer and we think about living for you and making you famous, it isn't our own strength. God, as we pursue you, you will do this through us. So God, honor yourself, glorify yourself in the lives of all of us here at SCP uh, and then in our area this summer, and ultimately for our campuses and for the world. So thank you for this time, Father, for this in the name of Jesus, and for your glory. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the 2023 Summer Training Project, hosted by Campus Outreach Minneapolis the College Ministry of the North Church. Please feel free to share this message with others, but don't charge, edit, or alter the content in any way without the written permission of Campus Outreach Minneapolis.